postseason is upon us. Some of our teams are playing extras, and some of them are shopping for front office men. Oh yes, we're going to give you a taste of the spectrum today. This is the push-off. Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Push-Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week while it gets you ready for the next. I'm your host, Scott Ogan, and joining us as always, it's... Dan, my services have been retained for another year, right? Dan, we're uh, on to the postseason, buddy. Week 18 is over. It was a success for the NFL. Uh, Oh boy, did they, uh, they fill a full two days worth of as much football as possible and uh it's time on to the playoffs um yeah we're here for that and uh black monday black tuesday all of that good stuff as the firing still roll in as we record it became it was like black monday and then it was like ah, eh, like a grayish tuesday <laughs> yeah and then the rain it's gonna stay over a little bit longer and you're not gonna get that uh that front until Wednesday. Um, yeah, I'm going to start with the coach firings. Oh, yeah. Let's start there instead of the games. Uh, going to the negatives. Um, right after Saturday's uh, loss to the Chiefs. At, so starting off Sunday, they go, we're going to slide in here on, oh, yeah, Black Sunday, <laughs> and go with uh, fi- Broncos firing Vic Fangio. We'll start there. More of a more of a mauve. More of a mauve Sunday. <laughs> mauve Sunday. Uh so- yeah, very jovial for the rest of the game, so yeah, a little color to it. Uh, yeah, Vic Fangio is going to be an indesired defensive coordinator anywhere else. Um, had a rough go of it. I mean, I would blay, I would lay more of this on the general manager than I would on Fangio. Fangio did what he could with that team. Like, I know we talk about this a lot. There's not 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, and Vic Fangio can probably tell you because he went through at least 12 of them. Mm. <laughs> um, this is a guy who will be in desire, probably not as a head coach, but immediately as a defensive coordinator. Um, I thought he probably deserved another year, but if you're the GM, you're probably going, all right, you deserve another year, but do I want Vic Fangio coaching you know, Aaron Rodgers? Do I want him coaching the big free agent guy we bring in? Or do I want Vic Fangio, this you know, fucking pound-the-book, uh, buy-the-book sort of guy, coaching a rookie? Um, and if that's the case, you go, well, then we're in a rebuild. It is what it is, and we'll get a new coach to do it. Well, and you bring up GM, George Payton took over. He This is his first year, so this is not his hire. It kind of feels a little bit of that, too, of like, all right, I'm going to give you another chance to make the playoffs. You didn't do it. Now I get my guy. You know, it was a win-win for that GM. He wasn't going to lose his job for that year. Um, so he goes on, and he gets to hire his own guy uh, this year, and we'll see how that pairing goes. And you're right. They need to fill the quarterback situation. They need to stop listening to John Elway in there. I think he's been stripped of most of those powers, though. So I'm interested to see where these Broncos go because they're not a bad location for somebody to join, I think, if a head coach no. uh, for Denver. Uh, they were two wins away from probably playoffs here in the AFC. Is AFC, so maybe three. Um, but 
Yeah, it's not an easy division. It's not going to get any easier with Herbert and stuff like that and, and Mahomes going coming up in there. I mean, those two should remain in that division for a long time, but you can be that defensive spoiled team. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you think about it this way. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a name that we haven't talked about a lot since the beginning of the season. Deshaun Watson. Sure. They, the Broncos have a top 10 pick this year and would probably be willing to give up their top 10 pick or first-round pick the next two years if they can get Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson's able to clear all his legal troubles. We talk, you know, we'll talk about it in a second, but he, Miami might not be an avenue for him anymore. So right. if you're the Broncos, you're thinking, hey, we're a quarterback away. We have a pretty good core. They don't, I don't think they need to really address the offensive line. A top 10 pick isn't what they need. They need a quarterback. And this is not a good draft class for it. I feel like the Texans would be willing to listen to a top 10 pick plus a couple other pieces. Um, you know, you're probably not going to get Bradley Chubb out of them. But I would say top 10 pick, they've got a decent amount of cap room left. They can absorb his deal plus give up some draft capital and be in this thing again next year. So if that's he's playing a name. Year. Yeah, if he's playing next year. But that's a name that I would I would throw out towards the Denver Broncos and that might dictate the coach hiring is, hey, if we brought in Deshaun Watson, would you be willing to coach him? God, I wonder you know, if you could say you that Deshaun for Watson most fan? of those teams, though. If we could get Deshaun Watson, well, yeah, I mean, and he's playing or he's watching from the sideline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are we paying his bills? What are we doing? Right. Um, here's Okay, so here's the next uh, head coaching position that should not, at least for a couple of years, be looking for a quarterback. Uh, the Bears. The Bears fired Matt Nagy and then Ryan Pace as well. So GM and head coach needs to be filled there. I'm getting a lot of reports that the Bears are already throwing out names for head coaches now, and they're throwing out names for GMs too, of course. But I think that means that this hiring is not going to be a choice of the GM, not like Ryan Pace was when he brought in Matt Nagy. Well, it's good. I mean, I think the Bears are going to wind, wind up fucking this up, which should be par for the course for them um <laughs> you know they're gonna bring in a gm who's at loggerheads with his head coach and i let you, know, you it's do not it gonna work i let you do this because i hate the bears too <laughs> <laughs> it's I, yeah i mean the bears are not a premier franchise anymore they're it's, just not it's still a big market and if you turn it's it around everyone's gonna love you and you got a young quarterback and you got youth on your defense in some spots you know but it's always ownership it's always yeah. ownership, and the Bears have some of the worst owners in the NFL. They're not cancerous, you know? <laughs> They're not cancerous the way Washington's management is, the way potentially Jacksonville's management is. Mm -hmm. They're not cancerous. However, they are benign in their tumorousness. They haven't been doing you know? it any favors of late. That's true. Um, yeah, what direction and, and you could do you think they took so, it? I guess it's interesting, like, the Broncos could go defensive-minded head coach again because that's where their power is right now. The Bears, Matt Nagy is technically an offensive guy, and that didn't really work as they folk, you know, one of their first trades was Khalil Mack for a bunch of first-rounders. He's of up there in age, but that doesn't mean the rest of that defense isn't probably still their strong suit. So did they go defensive-mind guy? Well, I'll put it to you this way. Do you remember who the head coach of the Ravens was when they won the Super Bowl way back in the, you know, the early Ray Lewis years? Before Harbaugh, you're talking um, Brian Billick, yeah. 
Yeah. Do you remember what Brian Billick was? Right. Oh before? yeah. Well, he was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings in '98. Yeah, when we put up all those and then, points. And then what did the Ravens wind up doing offensively for the next ten years? Well, they put Bullshit. Trent Dilfer up there, so they knew they Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. <laughs> they put Trent Dilfer up there. They put the coach Bowler up in that motherfucker. Yeah. But he was an offensive-minded coach. You get to the point where Billick was a good coach, and he's like, "Well, fuck, I don't have anything here offensively. I guess we're a defensive team." I, we know how much I've loved, you know, John Harbaugh being yeah. a special teams guy because he's able to just look at everybody, you know, go, "I'm not an offense. I'm not a defense. I'm, I'm here to do special teams." I think whatever they do, they've got to have a guy that's that's able to look at their franchise and not go. Like the last time when Denver hired uh, what's his nuts, Slappy McFuckface from uh, New England. Um, oh uh, yeah, McCa- <laughs> Mc, uh, oh Mc, McFucking not going to be a head McDaniels. coach next year, so it's fine. Yeah, Josh McDaniels. And so when they hired McDaniels, he's like, "Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this offense into the offense that I want." Jay Cutler can go fuck himself. And he basically said, "I'm gonna take the best pieces we have and I'm gonna jettison them in favor of my system." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the death knell. Whatever it is, is if you're going, I'm going to put in a system and get rid of my talent in favor of a system, I think that's a bad idea, especially in Denver, who's done that already. Fangio didn't do that. Fangio came to an empty cupboard. Um, you know, they traded Khalil Mack to Fangio, and then he's like, oh, fuck, I guess I'll take this team over. Um, so I, I think whoever they bring in will just need to look at the talent that is on this team that is offensively very gifted, Decent offensive line, good running backs, good skill position Hold players. Hold on, I was talking about the Bears. When did you oh, go sorry. back to the Broncos? I went back to the Broncos. <laughs> but then I'll, I'll put it to this. You have to look at the Bears and you have to think to yourself, this is a good defense. This is a good defense with no wide receivers, except for Allen Robinson, who doesn't want to be there. Allen Robinson might be guy. It's, it's Mooney. And it's, uh, yeah, Mooney's the new guy. Darnell Mooney's been good, but you know you want it to be Darnell Mooney as the number two to Allen Robinson, but that's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. So you you can't say, hey, we're all in. I'm going to get a whole bunch of you know skilled offensive players. You just don't have it. You don't have the draft capital. You don't have the cap. I mean, you have the cap space, but who really wants to sign in New York, uh, sign in uh, Chicago, and play with Justin Fields, who's a second year quarterback, who maybe doesn't even have the the reins of the team. So this next coach for the Bears is going to be very, very interesting to me. <laughs> I didn't follow where you got. I thought you were trying to say, like, it doesn't matter if they're strong in defense right now. You don't have to go defensive coordinator. You just have to go somebody that is not going to mess with the talent and start shipping them off for their own benefit. Is that right? Well, no. The worst thing you can do as a head coach hire is hire a guy who also wants to be the offensive or the defensive coordinator. Okay. Okay. So it, the reason why I went back to Fangio is because Fangio went to the Broncos and was like, and I'm going to also be the defensive coordinator for this. Which Zimmer like, did for the Vikings too, which is a good segue. And it's not, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. It's fine to be defensive-minded. It's fine to be offensive-minded. But the thing that fucked Nagy is he's like, I am the coordinator of this offense. I'm the play caller. Yeah, yeah. I'm the play. I'm going to do all this shit like – it's not a good idea, man. It's not a good idea. You're not Andy Reid. Take a fucking chill pill, you know? And even Andy Reid had great offensive coordinators that called the plays for him. Frank Reich was not one of them, but uh, Doug Peterson did that for Frank Reich because Doug Peterson called the plays for Andy Reid, and he knew how to do it. Um, let's continue on with uh, Mike Zimmer and uh, Rick Spielman. So just like the Bears, the Vikings are cleaning house to a GM and a uh, head coach. We kind of led into this, too. 
Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We knew Zimmer was going. Spielman, I was like, you yeah, know, that's on there too as a maybe, but uh, it was kind of a surprise and it seemed like, yeah, okay, well then they mean business kind of thing. Um, first of all, what do you think, Dan? Well, they've been at the hip so long that it, it felt like if Zimmer was going, Spielman was going to go too. Um, <laughs> I, I think it probably went like, Rick, we need you to fire Zim. And he's like, oh, really? Because And then after that, we need to have a meeting. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, shit. He was like, uh, Zim, just come in with me. Like an assistant or something there for the longest time prior to Zimmer being there. And then you're right, it was like made GM around the same time, maybe a year before as Zimmer was hired on. So... The ownership is the Wilfs, the the Wilf brothers, who are big out of New York. They're big Parcells guys. I think that's how Zimmer got his job. Um, he he goes in there, and um, I mean, I loved the hire at the time. And like I said too, even this firing kind of is just like, ah, okay. What are, my brother brought it up, and I I agree with it. It's like Marvin Lewis when he was fired from the Bengals. Sure, like yeah, we're just similar. watching you get just okay eight and eight long enough and it's enough of this and we got to move on unfortunately i remember you know there's now the Bengals are going to spend some time there at the bottom at least they did until they you know landed joe burrow in their lap here and now here they're back and and could finally break what might be the you know longest playoff drought that's that's currently active so yeah it's not i don't know it's that uh I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give a relationship analogy, Dan. Let's, okay, let's do this. I had, let's... I had one. I had one loaded. So. Oh, okay. This is that. You can't stay in a bad relationship in the worry that there's not a better one out there. Like, oh, it's just there's there's nothing better probably than this. So I'm gonna stay in something that's not a fit. And I think that's okay. that's the worry of people that wanted Zimmer to stay around, wanted Spielman to stay around. I think we saw the list of their talents. And you knew where, you know, they had some, they still had some talent left, but there was a, a list of flaws there too. And after a while, then all the other teams know them. I, I'll give you a little relationship analogy. Okay. And it's more of a question. Yeah. Do you believe that every divorce is the result of a failed marriage? Or can you have a divorce that's the conclusion of a successful one? <laughs> well... That's interesting. I've you know right. I've never thought of it being a conclusion of a successful marriage. I would assume that in terms of that being a football head coach marriage, there's some championships involved. One would think, but One would did think. somebody get the organization into a better place? You know, did you get the organization into the better <laughs> yes. place than okay. where Leslie Frazier had left you? And you then know? Brad Childress. And then Brad a, a string of bad coaches that did not know what the fuck they were doing. And you have somebody that brought a little bit of stability to the organization. Does that make it a bad fit? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. Minnesota is not a big market team. You know, the Vikings are not no. a big market team. He did a lot. He motivated a very, he got a very moderately talented team to be a very defensively talented and aggressive team. He did everything he could with what he had. They gambled on Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins, to borrow from Danny Green, was who we thought he was mm. and was a middle-of-the-road quarterback. That was not enough with the defense that they had. That defense needed to be like, you know, shit, Ravens level uh, in order for him to be successful. Um, so I would say that it, it is the conclusion of a successful marriage. That's what I would say Zimmer's dismissal is, and even Spielman. 
this is the conclusion of a very successful run for the Vikings. Not ultimate success, but he's also was the head he coach. He got him to the ceiling the of, that he can get him to. He got him to the ceiling that he could get him to. And then, you know, you're going to get a younger wife and things will be better. <laughs> Hopefully. Or you'll realize that, oh my God, this was the best we could do. So right now, I would say this is the conclusion of a successful marriage. It's still a divorce. Still hurts. You're still going to have people that are unhappy on both sides. However, it is the conclusion, in my mind, of a successful marriage. I, th- I think we should just be calling it relationships, Dan. You and me are married people, and if our wives hear this stuff, they're not going to like how it sounds. <laughs> well, actually, that's that's a good point, because sometimes, have you ever dated somebody, and then you just went like, hey, I got from point A to point B, we were together, things were better. Relationship, yeah. I go it to marriage because it's as the much. extremity. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, that's fine. Well, the I'm Dolphins, uh, they wife. ended a relationship, too, and that was with Brian Flores. And no, they uh, that they was more. On Brian. <laughs> that was more of a surprise, wasn't that? Uh, the Brian Flores news broke uh, yesterday on Black Monday as well. Uh, yeah, this was the, the surprise one. The you know, um, Jay Glazer was on Fox News pre- uh, pregame things, throwing around names like David Cully and things like that, going for the Texans. He didn't go. This was not one talked about. Brian Flores gone. Uh, the reports are that the hint is that uh, there was just relationship deterioration with Tua, and I think the Dolphins are looking at who's going to be on this team, you know, who who they have to tie their boat to, and it was one or the other, and I think they decided they're going to with Tua. Well, I think it's interesting. It, <laughs> I don't know where to come down on this Brian Flores thing, which halfway through this year we're like, Brian Flores is a fucking dead man walking. And by the end of the year, we're like, eh, Brian Flores, is he got them to the edge of this fucking game. <laughs> yep. Um, this is a great boost of confidence for Tua. You go into a draft this year that doesn't have a lot of quarterbacks in it, so he's not threatened by that. There's not a lot of free agent quarterbacks that are going to be out there. It looks like, from Stephen Ross's idea, they're not going to be pursuing Deshaun Watson. So this is kind of Tua's ship. So now Tua... Though he doesn't get a say in who the coach is, Tua is a huge component of who this coach is going to be. Sure. That's a huge factor to it. Yeah. You know, this is not a team going, oh, we got a young guy. This is like, hey, this is going to be a guy in his third year. We're going to need to know at the end of this year whether we're picking his fifth-year option up. So this is a make-it-or-break-it year for Tua. I'm interested to see uh, if one of these teams has a head coach already in their back pocket type of thing. I think we've seen that in previous years with a lot of teams and their coaches where it's like, it's probably going to be this guy, and this is just a, a show interviewing all of these pl- people. But we're seeing a lot of just the same names. So I'm yeah. really interested if one guy talks to one team in this go-around and ends up there. Uh, the Dolphins with getting rid of Flores seems like that could be a spot. And then what just happened in New York? I'm going to use this as a segue and just go right into the Giants getting rid of. First of all, Dave Gettleman retired on the on monday and then they get rid of joe say again (laughs) at gunpoint (laughs) and then they and then they get rid of joe judge the next day the reports leading into the weekend is joe judge's job is safe he'll be back next year and so will the quarterback and i mean they just were kind of listing names and you you look at that and you're like that's weird why did they say i'll be back next year i I thought i was under contract okay but um no they they went out of their way to kind of say that Joe Judge's job was safe. But then here we are getting the report that, no, that's not true. He's gone. So the Giants will be replacing GM and head coach. So it just piqued my interest, too, of like, 
well, maybe the Giants, after deciding Gettleman wasn't coming back, started on to their next guy that they thought in mind a GM, and they go, yeah, but I'm not having Joe Judge as my quarterback, as my head coach, excuse me. And they're like, okay, you have someone else in mind that you can bring in? Yeah, good buddy of mine. He's willing to be here too. Great, we'll take care of this guy. And so maybe the Giants have that going for him, but I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Well, I'll put it to you this way. This is the third consecutive coach that has made it two seasons or less. God, for the Giants, yeah. That's So the Giants have this impression of themselves that they are a world-class organization. That's what the Giants believe. That is not true. The Giants are not a world-class organization. The Giants happen to be in New York. They happen to split a fucking stadium with the Jets. Hmm. Can you imagine needing the Jets to help you develop revenue? Really? Are you really a world-class organization in New York? Jesus, get fucked. So you went through McAdoo, you went through Shermer, you went through Joe Judge, and none of those guys were right. Methinks perhaps it's ownership. Methinks perhaps it's Mara making the wrong decisions on who to hire. Yeah. When they hired Coughlin, Coughlin changed who he was. He changed who he was fundamentally because he was like, I'm going to get fucking fired. I know it. He won the Super Bowl in his third year. But he knew. He's like, oh, shit, I'm going to get fired. I need to change. Jim Fossil took him to a Super Bowl. Dan Reeves was Dan Reeves, man. He was fucking great. And then Bill Parcells. Since Bill Parcells, they have not had an elite head coach. They've just not have one. And that is because of ownership. Ownership hasn't put the money behind it. Ownership wants to be the premier team in New York, and the Jets haven't made that hard, so they haven't had to try very hard. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, it shows a great amount of instability to go through three coaches in six years. I don't know if I want to be the head coach of the New York football giants. You know, you're you're looking at this team, you go, the Eagles are still pretty tough here. They've got a young quarterback. Cowboys are the Cowboys. Washington is one or two drafts away, plus the dismissal of Dan Snyder, from being a competitor. They've got a great defense. What are you coming into if you're New York? You're coming into Daniel Jones and the corpse of Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Which uh, which of these jobs do you like? Which of these jobs? As a head coach, we'll just go head coach. If I was a head coach, I would love the Dolphins job right now. Okay. Um, I'm in the AFC East, so I get to at least beat up the Jets twice a year. Uh <laughs> You know, I'm I'm coming into a team that is competitive, that has a good defense with a decent amount of defensive talent. Sure. I've got a young quarterback who's under team control for at least two more years at reasonable rates and an offensive line that is not great, but it's young. It's a young offensive line that's bad. It's better than an old offensive line that's bad. Um, you know, and I, I have a little cap space. I could attract some free agents. I would want Miami more than I'd want New York, uh, you know, more than I'd want really any other position here. Okay. All right. I won't take offense to that being my Vikings. We're going to see who we get. Nobody's jumping off the page for me, so I'm really interested to see. Uh, we're not the only... The Vikings have Kirk Cousins' contract. That's the reason why I wouldn't want... I I, I don't mean that to be dismissive. They have a, a big yeah, 35 milestone. mil for one more year. I mean, if you really wanted to, and yes, you are still paying Zimmer and Spielman's contracts off too, but uh, if you really wanted to, you could send cousin somewhere else and help pay off his contract if you really were desperate to get rid of the guy but like you said too there's nobody next year so let cousins take you on a a five and twelve trip and get some more draft picks hey i'm i'm well aware we might be going face first into a rebuild but 
also Aaron Rodgers might not be in the division next year. So a whole lot might change. Um, But let me do it this way. So the Broncos, the Bears, the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Giants, they now join the Jaguars and the Raiders looking for a new head coach. Oh, no, wait, hold on a minute. No one said the Raiders yet. No one said the Raiders yet because segue into the games. We're going to start with the AFC <laughs> and uh, you can call it game of the week. There, there were three games that the NFL had go to overtime last week here in the, in the weekend. Uh, surprisingly in their week 18, the overtime weekend that it was for the NFL already Let's let three games go even more into overtime. Let's let those games basically go down to the end of their overtimes too. So the NFL got got their eyes and got their their clicks and and everything in between. I'm talking the Raiders beating the Chargers, and that's where I want to start. Thirty five, thirty two. It was a long, long day of football. <laughs> By the end of this one, uh, it was it was. It was long and it was arduous to get through, but you had to know how it ended. It was just one of those. You had to know. Oh, yeah. If this if this game had been a fucking snooze fest, this would be half the TVs in America turning off the halftime. Yeah. But the Chargers scored in spurts. <laughs> it Vegas was, 10, was yeah. pretty consistent all the way through, but the Chargers were like, oh, fuck, we've got it together. Like, the Chargers' fourth quarter was insane. Yeah, no, this was, yeah, because the Raiders started it off. There was a muffed punt. They get a touchdown, 10 nothing, But the Chargers took a lead in the second quarter, and then they didn't get it back until, I don't think they do get a lead back, but they just keep catching up. Uh, it was 14-17, to 17 and then 17, I'm sorry, 14-17 to 17 Raiders at the half. With eight minutes left in this game, the Raiders are up 29-14. to 14. It seems done. But... Here you go. Chargers, fourth and 21, touchdown to Palmer, two-point conversion. All of a sudden, it's a one-point game, and there's four and a half minutes left. The last drive took – they said it was like a 15-play drive or something, and I'm talking – sorry, last drive 21. of regu- – 21. How much? 21 plays? 21 plays. And this is last play – a drive of regulation. This is not even last, last <laughs> drive. Three fourth-down conversions on that drive alone – to get down there, if you were the Raiders, like, and if you lost that, think this game at, by the end of it, that would have just ugh. But they tied it. Um, go to overtime. <laughs> Both teams get a field goal in overtime, which that has to have happened since they changed the rules. Maybe I counted on one hand that both yeah. teams scored, and we continue. Um. Okay, so we we flash to the end because we have to talk about the end of this. Um, the timeout quote that the that the Chargers took. It's third and four. The Raiders are not in Carlson's range. It would have been a sixty-something yard field goal from there. Uh, they so they don't. You wouldn't try it because it could turn around and end up being the Chargers kicking the field goal. There's time on the clock there too. Then the Chargers call this timeout randomly on a third and four, and. Because of that, the Raiders run the ball. They get a first down, kick a field goal with two seconds left on the clock, and, and it's over. And due to that, due to the Raiders making the field goal, the Chargers are not in the playoffs, whereas if the Raiders just let that clock run all the way down, it wouldn't have changed anything for the Raiders, and the Chargers would have been in. I don't know. What do you think about that, Dan, the, the timeout and everything? 
I thought it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> of the Chargers to do it? Because it's it's one of those, you know... They call it the prisoner's dilemma. That's what we were referring to. I mean, it, it really is, because if you don't take that there, you basically allow them to run the clock out. That's what you're, you're allowing them to run the clock out and take that field goal. The difference is that's a 57-yard field goal from there. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how long it was going to be. It was going to be 57 yards because that third and four run was a 10-yard run. There you go, to 47. 47 was the walk-off. So you can say, I would rather say, all right, this is where you want to be. You want to fucking, you want to take your last shot as a 57-yard field goal? Okie dokie, I feel much better about that than inside the 50. Yeah. I thought it was a fucking mistake. I thought it was a huge mistake. I don't know why they did it. It didn't make any sense to me at all. Um, Coach says he was means, didn't have like the defense line or making sure the defense line up something like that. I don't. I it didn't. If the Raiders didn't get a first down on that third and four run, it was a run too. It's not like they even yeah. tried to pick it up through the air like they were worried about getting it there. I think the Raiders let the clock run out, and I think the Chargers let them let the clock run out right on fourth. Or do they? Chargers would have had that one more timeout because they give you two it and overtime. I guess it just it messed with the Raiders' heads and thinking they're going to use that second time out if we don't convert this? Yes. Okay. So it, it basically said if we don't convert this, they're going to want the ball back. And you, there is reports I've heard too of like you can read people's lips as they are meeting in the middle of the field and they're like, were you guys going to run the clock out? And like somebody nodding yes. Or Herbert, you can see him say like, I've never wanted a tie so bad in my life. <laughs> Like, it was a wild. We talked about it last week. We're like, you know, as a joke because of all what the happened. things that have to line up for this to be possible. Right. And then there we were watching it. And I could only think if you were a Steelers fan and you're watching that, like, well, you know, one of these teams are going to pull it out, right? That's the weirdest thing ever to think it would end in a tie this last game. And then it's slowly, slowly heading to that pinnacle where it just seems like it could absolutely do it. Um, the uh, announcers, uh, I would, I think, uh, Collinsworth, I mean, he spent a lot of time in Cincinnati, right? You don't like yeah. the Steelers. I think he was giddy a little bit too much about <laughs> this could be a tie. He's like that. Oh, I, did, I thought maybe he would let it go. Uh-huh. And Al Michaels is getting into it too. And yeah, I think if you were a Steelers fan, you were probably a little pissed listening to that. <laughs> well, I think it's, we talk about what is more interesting, right? What's the most interesting decision? The most interesting decision for the first time ever is to let this be a tie. <laughs> if this is a tie, you're basically leaving the field and going, well, hope to see you later on in the playoffs. Do you know uh, it, the you know, seating, how it would have worked out if the Raiders let it go to a tie? They would have been playing. They would have to go to the Chiefs. That's right, at Kansas City. That, that makes up so, your mind a little easier, I think, if you're the Raiders. Yeah, I, th- I think that helps you go. Well, but, I mean, do you want to face Joe Burrow right now? I, who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, you pick your poison. If you're if you're Cincinnati, that's bulletin board material. Like, they wanted us. They didn't want Kansas City. They wanted us. Let's fuck them up. Because yeah. you can find a way to motivate yourself for anything. Um, but, yeah, I, I this is this is what deserved to happen to the Chargers. You picked them to the win Raiders this. The Raiders are a shock. This is a shock. Congratulations to specifically Derek Carr for weathering this season no <laughs> kidding the playoffs the man has had a tough year he deserves this and to a degree the chargers deserve this too the chargers were too talented to only finish the season nine and eight but that's where they wound up 
Uh, you know, they let a lot of games slip away. They, I thought a lot of their decision-making was very poor. You need to get more consistent play out of Justin Herbert, who right now is very streaky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has streaks where you're like, oh, wow, this might be the most talented quarterback in the NFL. And then you have other streaks where you're like, oh, right, he's a second-year player and uh, really needs to put some more time in the film room. Yep, Chargers themselves were a very streaky team. Maybe that relies on the quarterback play. But, um, yeah, it's a weird, weird season for the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I still consider them and uh, another one or two AFC teams better than a couple of these teams that made it to the playoffs. You know, if I have power rankings in my mind, yeah, I'm going to say so. Uh, But that proves that you just you you missed out uh chargers and you didn't you didn't uh complete it when you needed to let's talk about the other side of the ball let's talk about the vegas raiders they they continue and they're going to cincinnati uh they kick off the playoff weekend saturday at 3 30 we're not getting a noon saturday game this year we're not getting three games on saturday they got a new schedule for us the nfl loves changing things lately um so saturday at 3 30 is our first playoff game of the 2022 year. Um, Bengals, uh, you know, could, it's it's Vegas at, at Bengals. But first of all, let's talk about the Raiders. Carr, like you said, he's, he's weathered the storm, and he's been in it all year. They're getting Darren Waller back now. He just came back from this long injury there. Jacobs has been in and out too. I believe that's most of their offense outside of Hunter Renfro's being a uh, – he is a uh, red zone threat. I mean, yep. nothing about that. But then outside of him, those guys for wide receivers, it's Zay Jones. I was uh, going to say Zay Jones is really it. Deshaun Jackson, right? Isn't he back on that roster? Is he, is he alive? I think Deshaun they Jackson signed alive? him just to run the up and down the field. So, yeah, do we think the Raiders have – I don't know. They certainly have the defensive talent. They, they certainly put the pressure on the quarterback. Max Crosby's playing his best game, you know, uh, season of his career. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Max Crosby. No, I'm not saying he's defensive player of the year, but I'm saying he should get a vote. Mm-hmm. Somebody should give the guy like a third place vote or something. He's been tremendous. Um, I don't think the Raiders quite have it. I think, I think the fact that they're going on the road uh, to Cincinnati, a team that is more complete than them. Um, yeah, I, I think Cincinnati's going to win this game, but at the same time, the Raiders, just the way they're set up, they have a puncher's chance. You've got Derek Carr throwing that fucking thing all over the field. You've got Darren Waller, and you've got Josh Jacobs. It gives you some offensive punch. And, yeah, that to your point, if the defense can keep this game in it, then you give Derek Carr the opportunity to get that knockout blow at some point in time. Yeah. Um, What's really neat about this is the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals have not won a playoff game since 1990. To put that in perspective, Ooh. I don't think I followed football prior 1992. Like, so oh. I do not believe that my eyes have seen the Cincinnati Bengals celebrate a victory in the playoffs. And they could do it on Saturday. And they, if a one one win in this playoffs, I think, is a success for the Cincinnati Bengals. I know you guys want to go all the way. I think they could. I think because um, I saw what they did to Kansas City. Now that was in Cincinnati, and you would have to do it in Kansas City this time. But you took them to the wire. There's no reason why you couldn't do it there. Um, 
Tennessee to all their power too is going to be a big test as well. So like I say, I would be very excited if they just took this one from the Raiders and, and, and squashed that longest drought there and then just handed another one of the Lions to have. Um, but even if Bengals don't, the Raiders haven't won since 2002. So one of these teams, because we can't end in a tie, one of these teams is going away with a playoff victory that they have not had in so long. And when you haven't had one in a while, oh, those feel so good. I think the Raiders, the Raiders deserve it more. You think, <laughs> think the, you know, for, uh, as far as well, what this just for team? this season? Yeah, yeah. This particular team, the franchise Bengals, need it way more. You know, this is. If you remember the Bengals, I think we talked about this. The Andy Dalton Bengals always felt kind of doomed. They always felt like, "Hey, you're all right, but like you're not that good." I, I, I think we mentioned it last time or the last episode. We talked about the Kimo von Olhoffen year, the Carson Palmer uh, Bengals, Carson Palmer. Yep. That felt like the last dangerous Bengals team, and they and then it, the wheels fell off. Ugh. That was um, Vontez Perfect and yeah. <laughs> Antonio oh, no, Brown was, and no 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 the, that was a that was a Dalton year. That was the Dalton year. That was the yeah the, the game year. in Cincinnati when they took the shots. Yeah. Oh wow, I was thinking yeah that, that was Dalton. Okay, that. yeah Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was the TJ Hushmanzada, Chad Ochocinco. Uh, they did not have a defense really to speak of, and they got torched in that game because of it. Who did they um, lose to? Uh, they lost to the Steelers in that game. So it was Steelers. It's been Steelers, Steelers the last... Oh, it's been wow. Steelers. The last yeah. two times so, the Bengals have lost at home in the playoffs, maybe? It I seems like that. I believe so. Yeah, I believe it was Steelers both We're doing times. this Steelers. off of our memories, yeah. So now they get yeah. the Raiders, at least, and not the Steelers, but the Steelers somehow made it in. Um, oh, somehow. Well, first of all, before we continue, uh, I guess l- let's continue picking the playoffs. Obviously, we should. Um yeah, let's just continue from there. Who do you have? Who do you think is winning this game, Raiders at Bengals? Um, I, I'm going to give it to the Bengals. I I feel like they are a more rested team. I feel like they're more complete offensively. They've got a lot of explosive uh, fucking players. Yeah, I I'm going to go with the Bengals. I, we were wrong, by the way. They lost both of those to the Steelers. Um, their most recent loss was to the Steelers, but then that uh, Steelers game where Carson Palmer blew his knee out was back in 2005 they lost at home to the jets in 2009 and then the chargers in 2013 wow okay so they've had some home yeah he um they made the playoffs a lot with andy dalton it just was never it never went anywhere because it's andy dalton and marvin lewis yeah that's too bad well here we go again cincy let's let's get over that hump um i'm with you i think they will i think the Bengals win this because you look like I said. Look at the Raiders, and I don't think they have the the weapons that Bengals do. Where if the Bengals can put up twenty seven, that'll be enough. Twenty four might even. Um, the Raiders are the spunky bunch that's just been in it and staying in it kind of thing. Uh, I I took them last week just because they burned me so many other times, and it's like finally I'll just I'll give them some credit then, and we'll give the Raiders maybe they they do it so. Now I won't, and I'll see them burn me again. And it could very well happen. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that I could see Carr go off. I, if Darren Waller has 150 yards or something like that, that could very well happen because he's been out for so so long. But the Bengals look like uh, the better team on paper, so i got to take the Bengals. Um, yeah. how, how did the 
the the end of that Raiders and Chargers game get to it where it, it mattered anything for the Steelers? Why did it matter? Well, that is because Colts 11, Jaguars 26. The Jaguar news. Jaguar news. Oh, man. Um, Jonathan Taylor held to under 100 yards total uh, rushing and passing, and Lawrence throws two touchdowns. The Jaguars jumped on the Colts quickly, and their defense did not let them get back up. They sacked them six times. It was 13-3 to Jaguars at the half. It was 26-3 to with just over eight minutes left in this game. So even the Colts' last touchdown was – you know, almost garbage touchdown. The, the, the it was yeah. Jack was just kind of letting up a little bit there. A a crazy game when you can uh, imagine that the Jaguars could have lost the first overall pick, winning this game. They didn't because of the Lions, but they could have uh, going out there and playing their butts off. So there was no tanking going on. You know, there's not like the one star pick here this year in the draft right now or quarterback for them to get they got they got Lawrence last year but this this was a wild one in thinking that this is a Colts team where all they had to do was win one more game and in we were touting them just a couple weeks ago as maybe the best team in the AFC Frank Reich could be coach of the year they could have their MVP if if uh um Taylor keeps this up and now they're not even in it they're not even in the playoffs you want to talk about a Chargers team that I think is better than a couple of teams that are in the playoffs. Hey, man, this Colts one's right there, too. Well, you are what your record is. <laughs> That's true. That's the unfortunate thing. And, uh, yeah, this, uh, this is not a good record for the Colts there, man. It is – it's hard to say that this was a trap game because it's it's a win and in. Right. How the fuck is that a trap game? How were you trapped? Um, I, I will say this. Carson Wentz looked like – absolute dried shit in this game and in fact he looked like dried shit last week if you want to talk about a guy that got covid and then came out and shat the bed carson wentz is a pretty good example of a guy that got covid and then shat the bed because of it you can blame covid all you want but wants to talk about he should have been he he should have been pulled from this game he should have been pulled from this game there was a point in it where he just wasn't making plays, he wasn't making throws, and I'm going to I'm going to throw out a name watching this game live. The player of this game to me was Adam Gotsis. Mm. Adam <laughs> Gotsis, the defensive end for the Jaguars, was fucking all over the place. I just looked up his stat line and I couldn't believe how meager it was cuz all I was seeing was Adam Gotsis all game. I was seeing this dude stop runs, brush him back to the inside. I was seeing him get pressure I see him get a sack. I see him get – he only had four tackles, but I swear to God he was in every play. It was insane. This is a good defense. He was freeing shit up for Josh Allen to actually get sacks. Adam Gonsis was a fucking nightmare. And I, I will say this, Jonathan Taylor couldn't run at all on this defensive line. All this is for the Jaguars is the taste to leave in your mouth going into the offseason. Right. Everything you did – all the shittiness, all the Urban Meyer stuff, you leave the end of the season with going, beat that Colts team pretty fucking good. <laughs> Did beat though, those Colts, though. Did we not? Yes. And you It can- changes the flavor completely, and it does the same thing for the Colts. Now the Colts offseason, if they had, like, you know, lost this game but it was close or, you know, bad officiating or something like that, they'd be like, ah, fuck, man, it wasn't our year. Real tough year. Whatever. It's a COVID year. But they're going to the offseason going, I've got doubts about Carson. 
I've now got doubts about my defensive line. I've got doubts about every. I've got doubts about Frank Reich. Holy shit! This game changed everything for the Colts and everything in terms of perception for the Jaguars. This fun like game. The Colts subreddits questioning whether or not they they should even pay Quentin Nelson and stuff. And it's like, well, don't go that far. Of course, you yeah you, you hold on to good offensive linemen, especially guys that seem like uh, they are the center of your. Your team oh, there, uh, from what I've seen in uh, Hard Knocks, which we get to watch that uh, breakdown here, and that's another. So that's another tidbit uh, to this week and how it fit for the NFL. Hard Knocks, this NFL show, gets one hell of a finale instead of a cliffhanger opening. Where this was going to be the last episode, no matter what. If the Colts went to the playoffs, it's just Colts go on, and you know you won't get to watch it. That that you know our cameras are done now instead it's cold season ends with the show this is perfect for the nfl with the jaguars you know it, it hurts but at the same time how did all the other hard knocks end with people's asses getting cut so it maybe this is how hard knocks works or it's like it's always a bummer ending absolutely the, you had to get cut the bad guys win goodbye roll credits um the bad guys bad guys here being the jaguars uh, what is even better is the Jaguars, not only do they walk out here being like, we we busted up the Colts' season and they are not going to the playoffs because of us. We didn't lose out on the first overall pick because the Lions won. The Jaguars are on the clock as we speak, and come late April, they get to make another pick. Um, I'm assuming Ed Rusher, one or the other? Uh, I think it's going to be Thibodeau. Um I think that's who it's going to be. I don't see it being Aiden Hutchinson unless you get a really, really white head coach. Um, I think that's that's your best bet is to draft Aiden Hutchinson. Well, this is the whitest defensive end I've seen since Jared Allen. Let's get him. It is the second year in a row, yeah, where the Jaguars are picking first overall with a brand-new head coach. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Uh, Very little incentive, though, as well, for anybody to come up and get that pick either. You know, that's that's the other problem. Is like if if they had put the Trevor Lawrence pick on the block, you would have had a ton of suitors. At this point, you'd put the number one pick on the block. People are like, nah, I think we'll just wait for value. Which <laughs> yeah, really different. that works though for the Jaguars because they can go almost best player available. I think yeah, they should. I think it it hurts the teams that need a quarterback this year, where you look up and you don't have that quarterback in the first picks. The Lions picking second overall. You know, you probably aren't going to do better than Jared Goff again next year. No, you aren't. Unless you go trading. So, yeah, it it is going to be a very interesting draft, and that's what we're talking about next after these playoffs. So keep it keep it tuned. Um, so the early the early things because we're talking about draft. I got to yeah. bring this up. the The early top five. And I oh early let me say because I've got the draft order is set up. Let's tell you who the five draft picks are, the top five teams. Can I do that before you're saying the yeah, players? Yeah, absolutely. Jaguars were one. We said Lions were two. Texans were three. The New York Jets were four. The New York Giants are five. Here is the top preliminary. We haven't done any deep scouting, but these are preliminary These are the names. N- hot the names. Hot names. Number one player in terms of talent, this does not mean number one player in terms of going, is Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Okay. Give us uh, positions, too. Yeah, 6'4", he's a safety out of Notre Dame. This is a big fucking thumper. This is a guy that is a bigger, faster version of who you got there in Minnesota. And Harrison Smith. Who? Yeah, which was Notre Dame as well. Who? How early, though, are you taking a safety? 
he's a safety that's going to go top 10, potentially top five. Hey, well, then that's a very good safety. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're also talking about probably the number two. So we're talking about edge rushers because edge rushers go in that category of like, well, you got a quarterback, then you got an edge rusher. Those are the two guys that tackle, you feel most. left tackle. You know, who is your quarterback, who destroys your quarterback, and who protects your quarterback. There you Those go. are your top three. So the second name I'm hearing, and this is just physically imposing. I haven't watched the tape. Evan Neal out of Alabama. Mm. He's 6'7", 350 with good feet. Good feet. I got to watch that Georgia game uh, and see how he did against Georgia's pass rush because that's going to be the closest we get to an equivalent. Uh, but Evan Neal is probably going to be a top five pick. And then we've talked about it a lot, uh, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, who are both edges. edge rushers, one from Michigan, one from Oregon. Um, it comes down to, with Hutchinson, he's got good pass rush capabilities, but the ceiling is very low, whereas Thibodeau, you're thinking potential Miles Garrett level ability, um, but also coming off an injury and didn't really play at all this year. And then the final guy um, is a corner in Derek Stingley uh, out of LSU. So LSU producing a lot of talent. Um, so Derek Stingley might be that, that name in the top five. Okay. Well, I'd be, yeah, I guess those like Jaguars and lions there, I'd be surprised to see them go safeties, but those, those edge rushers make sense for those teams. I can see that. Oh yeah. Um, we also can say after the Carolina Panthers pick at six, the New York giants pick again at seven. So right now giants hold five and seven via the bears and their trade last year to pick up, uh, Justin Fields, right? And then it's Falcons, Broncos, and then it's New York Jets again. So there are four picks for New York teams in the top ten currently for next year's NFL draft. And I, I will say this. I don't think there's a quarterback taken in the top half of the first round. And you say that now, but you know teams I, fall in I love will. and they move up and they... I do. There's, uh, you know, the Carolina Panthers. I, I heard this one rumor. God, this is a whole episode. But uh, there's a rumor that they like Sam Howell out of North Carolina, who's a Carolina guy. Obviously, they've had scouts there. Um, he's a guy that is physically maybe the most talented quarterback in this draft. But eh, some decision-making plus the competition is a little bit low. To take him with the top ten pick is a huge fucking reach. Mm-hmm. Um and then you're talking about guys like Matt Coral and Kenny Pickett, who have not jumped off uh, the screen when you when you watch their games. You can see some ability, but they feel like late first, maybe second round picks. But we'll see. Somebody, to your point, will fall in love with somebody and take them in the top 16. But I wouldn't be shocked to see them top half of the first round, no quarterbacks. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, let's continue on talking about the AFC and their their playoff picture here for this weekend. Uh, due to the Indianapolis Colts choking it away in Jacksonville for what will do now the sixth straight loss in Jacksonville, uh, that meant <sighs> the seven. Yeah, the Steelers and Ravens game put all that more uh, weight to it, and uh, that one went to overtime as well. This game happening at the same time, and uh, if you had the game on, I think CBS or Fox, whatever. They started like putting the other score. Well, Fox was doing it for the late games. That's what it was. Putting like the other scores of those games up in the corner. That was fun. This one, Steelers win it in overtime, sixteen to thirteen. This was this was a slugfest back and forth, kind of slow moving, defensive, ugly one. Um, once again, Huntley got the start and he threw two interceptions. Roethlisberger got a touchdown, but he threw interception too. There was no, nothing in the first half. It was three all, just field goals. 
Um, then Murray, uh, Latavius Murray tears off a big run. He had over 150 yards, or he had 150 yards total. Uh, it's 10-3 Ravens. It's 10-6 Ravens into the fourth quarter. Steelers finally take the lead with under three minutes left, and then the Ravens tie it. So these teams waited till the last minute to even put more points on the board. Going to overtime, it is a 36-yard uh, walk-off after they converted the fourth and eight near midfield to get them there. Because if they don't convert that fourth and eight, then you basically turn around and it's in Tucker's range. And then the Ravens are almost going to the playoffs. And I think the Colts would have survived too in the way it fell out, that the Raiders won, and if the Ravens won, the Colts would have gone to the playoffs. But instead, the Steelers play spoiler. I'll put it to you this way. I thought you can lay the game on this on Tyler Huntley, mm-hmm. uh, who is a backup. You know, this is tough. This is a tough position for him to be in. But there were some really, really bad fucking decisions made uh, in this game by Tyler Huntley, especially late in the game, uh, to kind of let the Steelers back in and take it. So, uh, yeah, I'd put it on Huntley, but at the same time, you can't tell me that if Lamar Jackson was healthy and in this game, the Steelers stand a chance. And saying that, I can't see the Steelers going into the playoffs and making any noise with the way Roethlisberger's playing, with the way that offensive line is blocking, with the really inconsistent play by the wide receivers. I'm not afraid of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if I would have been afraid of a Tyler Huntley Ravens team, but I would have been more afraid of a Lamar Jackson Ravens team. Yeah, when Lamar Jackson got that injury and nobody really knew the extent of it, maybe the Ravens did and we all were just kind of given that little hint to like, you got to prepare for Lamar Jackson just in case. Uh, But yeah, as soon as he was out of it, it was obvious that the Ravens were no longer the playoff caliber team and that's unfortunate because with Lamar Jackson he they are then that team is very exciting and the you know there's one thing the NFL is missing out on is Lamar Jackson in the playoffs but if he ain't healthy he ain't healthy and this Ravens team did not deserve to go so the Steelers take it and because they they had to win in Baltimore to do it the Ravens you know yeah Huntley turns the ball over twice with those interceptions but He's not the only guy out there playing. The Ravens needed to do something to stop a Steelers team that only put 13 on them in regulation and then the field goal to, to walk it off. Uh, the, all of it falls off here for the Steelers to actually head to the playoffs. Um, but first of all, let's talk about who they will be playing, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs, who beat the Broncos Saturday night, 28-24. to This one got a little fun and exciting. The Broncos were up 14-10 to at the half. <laughs> Uh, Locke was playing all right here, running in two touchdowns in the first half. He was, they were looking like the, the Chiefs defense didn't know what to do with the guy. But uh, things settled down. Both teams put on touchdowns in the third. It was 17-21 Broncos. Broncos moving the ball down the field, up a point, trying to put the ball in the end zone. And a second and two from the nine-yard line. They fumble it. Chiefs scoop it up. No one can tackle him all the way back for a touchdown. I don't know. Watching that play, you're like, this is unbelievable. But at the same time, I guess it was expected, given that I'm watching Chiefs versus Broncos here. I mean, 100%. (laughs) That's... Yeah, I mean, this was just one of those games where Drew Locke made himself... He gave himself an opportunity next year for someone to go, well, maybe it's just because Denver's 
not a well-coordinated offensive team. Drew Locke showed some things. He was six foot four, got good size, got a really strong arm, was making good decisions with his feet. Someone is going to look at him as a project. That being said, it will not be in Denver. I would be very, very surprised if Drew Locke is still on this roster. If I'm Drew Locke, I'm trying to get the fuck out of here. Hmm. Um, because no quarterback, no coach is coming into Denver going, I'm in love with Drew Locke. You've got to keep him. You've got to keep that here. So I can see Drew Locke getting traded somewhere for like a fifth or sixth round pick um, for a team that wants to, you know, potentially the Rams. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he would actually be kind of a good fit as a backup on the Rams. He's, he's like a poor man's Matt Stafford um, in terms of his decision making. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought he composed himself well. I, I think if you're looking at Denver for next year, you're looking at an offense with skill position players. You're looking at an offense with talent. We talked about this a little bit already. And if you're Kansas City, um, I think this is a little bit of a confidence drop. I know it's a divisional game, but you should have handled these Denver Broncos. Mm. You know, I know they put it together eventually, but they should have handled these Denver Broncos. And they got nothing going in their run game. Chiefs' run game was pathetic in this game. Yeah, uh, we saw some Jarek McKinnon, and they were touting him and saying, like, oh, you know, you had a good game. He, was, he came in there. He got a touchdown. He didn't do a lot as far as yards, about 40-some. Uh, no. He is a weapon, and maybe they have some plays for him moving forward for the playoffs. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Chiefs are going to have to find a few little tricks, I think, to, to make it the whole way here. Uh, they did themselves a favor with this win, though. That's the second seed I know it doesn't get them a bye week anymore, but the only place they have to play on the road is in Tennessee, and the only chance that would happen is in the championship game. So at least they buy themselves a guarantee of two home games. They have to they have to beat the Steelers this weekend, but that's where they're at right now. So that was huge because they almost gave that up. They almost did. Um, and we'll we'll just put that on them that the Broncos were. We're out there to play, and it was a divisional game, and that defense is good. But uh, it it did kind of scare you a little bit that the Chiefs are were back to like, well, Mahomes going to run around, and he's going to find Travis Kelsey at some point. Just give him a chance. Uh, they put Nicole Hardman back there and like direct snaps and things like that. So I don't know. Uh, they're doing what they can to find other ways to move this ball down the field when it does seem like the. Um, uh, uh, the the creativity is is drying up. Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of knows what the Chiefs are now. Andy Reid is still one of the best coaches in the NFL, but we kind of know what the Chiefs are. If you can get enough pressure on Mahomes, he's going to make bad decisions, like every quarterback does. Brady still makes bad decisions when you get pressure on him. Mm-hmm. You You can't leave him the entire game to pick you apart because he's going to destroy you. Um, so I think any team that's got a really good front four with maybe a couple blitz-heavy packages, I I think, weirdly enough, the Steelers are a really tough draw they might for be, at least the Kansas City Chiefs. They'd probably be sleeping better if they got the Raiders. That's true. Yeah, because you got T.J. Watt, and it, he will not be able to be blocked very well. I, mean, I don't think the Chiefs can block T.J. Watt, so... Mahomes can't go back can. there and stand there with the ball. He's going to run with it, and T.J. Watt will chase him all night long. This game's Sunday night, by the way, and we'll watch that all night long. But the last time Mahomes was chased all night long was the Super Bowl, and that didn't turn out well. I don't know. I'm, I don't think it'll happen, but what do you think, Dan? I'd be shocked. I, just once again, as bad as 
as bad as the offense for the Steelers is, uh, as I think Frank Clark is going to do more damage than T.J. Watt will. I'll okay. put it to you that way. Okay. That makes sense, and too, because Roethlisberger said, doesn't I, go I can't anywhere. Pick them. Yeah, Roethlisberger ain't moving. Roethlisberger's on the spot, and that ball's either in the ground or in the stands or in hands. Yeah. Yeah, Chiefs under the lights, the Steelers, uh, it's been a long road. You, you su- I think you're surprised you're there, but uh, as as the uh, probably Cinderella's of the AFC, this is probably the end for them too. I, I'm in agreement with you, Chiefs. Yeah, and send Ben Roethlisberger, you know, be like, hey, the bright lights of a playoff game didn't go well for you, but uh, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Don't worry about it. That's right. Um, let's talk about two more games in the AFC in order to wrap up that AFC picture. Uh, the Titans, I get the number one seed and a bye week. Home field advantage for Tennessee, and everyone's getting healthy. Who boy. Uh, they beat the Texans in order to do it. Tannehill looked good with four touchdowns. Uh, they were up 21-0 at the half, but then the Texans turned it on. It was 21-18 heading into the fourth, or with early in the fourth. Um, Amendola, Danny Amendola came up with over 100 yards and two touchdowns for the the Texans, and all of a sudden they were in this game. Um, even when uh, it was 28 to 18 Titans, they get that other touchdown with Amendola, bring it back, but just the Titans just didn't give them the ball back. So luckily a Titans escape Houston, you know, at least some team in the AFC South can get the business done. Am I right? 28, 25. <laughs> people forgot this was the fucking Davis Mills show. Yeah. That's what people fucking forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll say this. The Texans all year have been bad, but have shown fight. Right. You know, in a way that when we talk about the Lions, we talk about the Texans. You might not love who they have as head coach. You might think they're kind of laughable individuals, but the teams fight really, really hard. Um, no one would have beaten up the Texans after they go down 21 to nothing for rolling over and dying. No one would have given them any flack for it. They'd be like, yep, you're 4-13. and You're a bad team. That's okay. Head off into the offseason. Don't get hurt. They decided as a team, hey, there's enough talent, there's enough young people here. Uh, Danny Amendola, let's see if you can get one more contract out of a game like this. And Davis Mills, you know, we talked about it, changing the way you feel going into the offseason. If you're the Texans, you really change the way you feel about Davis Mills, who's had a really good stretch of games the last four or five since he permanently took over for uh, to Rod. Um, I, obviously, you still need help at running back. David Johnson's not the answer. You need help at wide receiver. But maybe you've got a quarterback that can shepherd uh, a few young players through this thing while you rebuild this team. Texans are in full rebuild mode, though. Feel good about Davis Mills. You can take best player available in the draft because of that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not not have to focus on quarterback here because of the mess that happened due to one individual? And then ignore that for a little bit and build the rest of your team around and get get a solid base there. I think that's what they'll do. Uh, they over-surpassed our expectations for sure, Houston. You did that, which proves just how low those expectations were. Um, Titans with the number one seed. Uh, I mean, they must be the team to beat then in the AFC. I mean, we talk about Henry if he's going to be healthy. Everybody got touchdowns this game. Uh, he threw one to A.J. Brown, one to Julio Jones, one to somebody else too. And Devonta Foreman had an okay game too. So Titans are figuring out how to play. <laughs> he's about to be their backup. And then he's going to be their backup, right. That's the thing. I I can't imagine with an extra week off 
everybody's not feeling really good about watching Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry is activated for their, you know, their divisional game, watch out. I, I don't know how you stop Tennessee with their full complement of weapons, especially with as good as this defense is. Uh, the defense against Houston kind of took the second half off. Uh, that's part of one of the reasons why Davis Mills was able to drive them back. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this is a very scary defense with great pressure up the middle. This is a very scary offense when all their players are back and healthy. But they've got to stay healthy, too. So Julio is an old Ferrari. True. Uh, Derrick Henry, if, as long as he's healthy, he's Tractor Cito. And that's that's dangerous for anybody, especially in the playoffs, especially in the cold. That's right. And then finally, the AFC East was won this year by the Buffalo Bills, and that is because the New England Patriots lost to the Dolphins 24-33. to The Bills won as well, and that helped. Uh, but we're going to talk about this game. Um, this one uh, was all Dolphins early. The Dolphins were up 14 nothing after a pick six in the first quarter, 17-7 to at the half. But Patriots made it a game. It was 24-27, under three minutes left. Uh, the Dolphins did everything they could just to kind of run that clock out, and then that last touchdown was just because they snagged the ball out of the air on a little pitch back and forth that the Patriots were planning on doing for 99 yards. <laughs> well, you know, it, it needed to happen. Um, you know, that was that was the plan. Yep. That's what happens in, in Miami. I, I, I picked Miami, did I not? You picked Miami in this one. Congrats. In fact, and then when it they put the game on, they're wearing those throwbacks. I was like, damn it. I should have taken Miami. They look too darn good in those. Yeah. Uh, Miami's looking fresh to death. Um, yeah, Miami's not a bad team. New England's New England also is not the world beater that they looked like in the middle of the season. I agree. Um, people have caught up to what Mac Jones is doing, and it doesn't mean that he's a bad quarterback. It just means that he's not surprising anybody anymore. Um, Tua didn't have a great game but did enough, and that might be the book on Tua moving forward too. Um, so if you're excited about Tua, fantastic. If you think Tua is just a game manager, also fantastic. You might not be wrong either way. Um, yeah, I think this Dolphins defense is re- is really, really good. Christian Wilkins is an excellent player in the middle of that defense. Um, really causes problems for people. Um, and, yeah, you can build a defense around a guy like that, especially having Xavier Howard. Um, they've got a good secondary. They've got a good secondary. If they can build that defensive line more, the Dolphins are right back in this thing. Potentially a number two um, in the AFC East next year. They're probably trading with the Patriots and Bills um, as long as Tonga Baloa continues to improve. Yeah, they very well could. Get a, get a head coach that knows how to call up some plays for you know run options. That's Tua's game. I think that's where you can have some success there. Get a good a back here with him with Gaskin too or something. I don't know. There's something there. Patriots, you didn't need this one. If you if you got this one, it probably wouldn't matter because you're watching Buffalo beat up on the Jets. So maybe they their full hearts weren't in this one. They they did fight back there, showed some heart. But now you got to go into Buffalo. It sounds like it's going to be a very cold night. It's Saturday night game here. So this is the one after Raiders Bengals. Patriots at Bills. The the you know the rivalry remains. It's the third time these guys are back playing each other now uh, this season. Um, me and the Dan, match. yeah, yeah, we picked opposite this uh, game both times in the regular season. Patriots took game one, Bills took game two. Uh, both of them took their wins on the other team's field, but this one here in Buffalo on Saturday night, what do you think? Well, I, I'll give it a caveat. I'm going to pick the Bills unless there are again forty mile an hour wins. <laughs> sure. 
because I think that was the only reason why they beat the Bills in the first place. I think the Bills are a better team. The Bills were designed to beat this Patriots team, and they are ready to beat this Patriots team. I think it's Bills this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Patriots are going to get lucky with a not having uh, Mac Jones touch the ball, throw the ball through the air type of game again. It's just not a possibility. It where it could happen is, excuse me, is Belichick pulling a rabbit out of his hat? He's been here so many times. He knows playoff football and just coaches circles around the Bills. But nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> um, I like Bills. Uh, they're you're right. They're the better team. The Patriots feel like they're kind of slowing up here at the end of the season and not nearly have as much of the uh, the push that they did. Again, I could very well see them running in there and beating them because they are the Patriots and they they could outcoach them. But I'm with you. I'm taking the Bills. Uh, And with that, that's the AFC picture. So let's take a break and let's return to discuss the NFC picture and shove through a whole bunch of games in the season's longest two-minute no offense. This is the push-off. Suck it in, suck it in, suck it in. If you're into dinner in Berlin, make it a spin move or else you win. And then begin to see what you're doing to me. This MTV is not for free. It's OPC is killing me. So desperately I'll sing the other love. Shove it off, so raging, hating, pain, and fear itself. And I can't keep these feelings on the shelf. I've tried, well, no doubt I lied. It'd be fine to suicide, but I got too much pride inside. You hide or slide. I'll do as I'll decide and let it ride until I die. And only then shall I abide this fight. Okay, we're back in the break. we got to talk about the NFC picture for the playoffs. But first, uh, it is time for that two-minute no offense. Because no offense, but the season's over, man. The season's over. Uh, you know, you're either in or you're not. Uh, if you're not in, we don't need to talk about you. And if you're in, we'd rather talk about next week. So let's go. We saw a lot of backups. We saw a lot of teams bench people in the half. Uh, we're going to get through these games in a hurry. Dan, let me know when the clock's ready. And turbo go. I'm going to start with the Washington football team winning their last game as football team, 22-7 to in New York versus the Giants. Uh, real garbage piece of shit game with two real garbage piece of shit franchises. Um, unfortunately, the more garbage franchise won in this one, uh, which is fine because it fucks up their draft position, and, you know, the Giants are rebuilding anyway. Uh, Taylor Heineke, uh, not great, but going to be a backup somewhere else. Antonio Gibson, surprising and refreshing uh, running back star for them. Goodbye football team. I, I will toast it away that stupid, stupid name. Goodbye football team. Uh, the Vikings sweep the Bears. I've always said it. The only thing I want uh, from the Vikings is hey, I'll give you two wins. I want them against the Bears and the Bears. 31-17. to 17. Um, You know, Dalton and Mooney went off big. Off for yeah, Mooney had 126 yards. Cousins, though, three touchdowns. Vikings D, seven sacks. Yeah, it was fun to watch a little one last win. Nice little goodbye game. Uh, and then continuing, the Browns beat the Bengals 21-16 to with a bunch of backups. Yeah, the Bengals didn't give a shit. The Bengals were like, we can't approve our position, and Browns just need something to make them feel better. So, yeah, this is a this is a good, solid win here. So it's all Case Keenum and Brandon Allen. Yippee. The Packers lose to the Lions. They did bench their starters at halftime, but they were losing at halftime too. 37 to 30 Lions win. I I feel like the Packers actually wanted to win this game and then they realized that the Lions were being real dicks about it. <laughs> you know, they're like, 
They're like, we did not expect you guys to fucking try. Yeah, how and, did uh, you? Lo and behold, they they tried. Uh, Jordan Love did not look super impressive. Jared Goff looked pretty good. Didn't look amazing, but he looked okay. And Tom Kennedy threw a touchdown pass. Okay, uh, the Buc- hey. the Buccaneers beat up on those Panthers, forty-one to seventeen. Oh, yeah, this was awful. I picked the Panthers. I don't know why the fuck. Oh, there it goes. That's the timer. The two-minute No, it's still going. And then finally, the Bills beat the Jets <laughs> 27 to 10. I'm throwing all these games in here. Who wants to talk about these? Yeah, it, everybody picked it. Buffalo is way better than the Jets, and the Jets are terrible. And uh, congratulations, the Jets. Uh, you're on the clock as well. <laughs> I know you don't have first pick, but you better start thinking about who the fuck you want because you're a top-five team. The Bills sacked Zach Wilson nine times. That's that's not how you want to end a season. <laughs> Okay, NFC playoffs. NFC playoffs are here. We got to start with the overtime game from the NFC, and that is the 49ers pulling out the win in LA, 27 to 24. Dan, you picked this one. Made me super upset that you did, because uh, I had the Rams, and I would have won a lot of things with with this one. Um, the Rams should have had it, man. They were up 17 to three at the half. The 49ers tied up 17 all in the fourth quarter. But then San Francisco turns the ball over in the end zone under eight minutes left. There is a huge drive down the field with Cooper Cup plays. This guy's had an amazing year. Gets the touchdown to take the lead. It's 24-17 Rams with two and a half minutes left in this game. Rams even give the ball back with a minute 40 left in this game. Still can't run out the clock. All the timeouts are gone, but doesn't matter. The Niners get down the field get in the end zone we're going to overtime and then from there a field goal Stafford throws an interception oof there was a lot to this one Dan but again I felt like it worked out perfectly for the NFL congrats I I think it did I think it's good you know not to give anything away the Cowboys made the playoffs too and they're going to be facing the 49ers Mm -hmm. um with rivalry renewed they get to do all that sort of shit um this this is a good San Francisco team it's a good friend, San Francisco team. Shanahan is a really good head coach. That being said, Jimmy G had a Jimmy G game. Sure. If it wasn't for the fact that Matt Stafford had a Matt Stafford Lions level game, hmm. I don't think this is a win. I think if Matt Stafford is at the top of his game, this is a Rams runaway. Both of those um, quarterbacks, yeah, have a tendency to turn the ball over. And uh, yeah, that I mean that wound up being the story of this game is quarterback turnovers. So. I don't think either of these teams is super scary in the playoffs because of that. Rams, obviously, more terrifying uh, just because of all the other skilled players that they have. But, yeah, with Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position, I don't know if anybody's really worried about the Niners. If you can stop that run game, I'm not worried about Jimmy G. Stay on Debo, you know, put eight men in the box, stay on Debo. That's it. Yeah. And uh, other than that, I'm not afraid of Brandon Ayuk. I know he had a good game, but... Yeah, I'm just not afraid of anybody else. Just <laughs> stay on Debo. That you're right. That's it's what Debo. it is. Um, the Rams were in Garoppolo's face early and often, and it's it it didn't make sense why it completely stopped. Why everything just turned on a dime in this game? Uh, it was I I don't want to even say what maybe it was seventeen to nothing in the Rams. The uh, Niners kicked that field goal right before the half. I forget how it played yeah. out the first half there, but. Um, it was all Niners in the second half, and even the Rams getting that last touchdown kind of felt like, okay, well, finally the Rams did what they needed to to escape this because the Niners finally, you know, were a beast that woke up in the second half. 
but they didn't. They still gave them the chance to get into it. And you know, it came down to all of the wires that it could possibly come down to, like the Niners kicking a field goal in overtime and still giving the Rams a chance there was everything. And it, this, you know, you had the overtime game of the Steelers and Ravens at the noon hour, kind of completing that till 325 till these games kicked off because there was a little bit later because the NFL could do that this week. And then this game, yeah, we got a little bit of overtime until that Sunday nighter kicks off. Like, don't spend no time with your family. Just eat in front of the TV and keep this shit going. <laughs> and that's My what the NFL was got. Highly displeased. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was upset because I I picked the Rams in this one, and if I got it, we would end it on an even tie because of my the Raiders in the end. But instead, you got it over me, Dan. You beat me by one pick this year. Uh, we'll get to the full thing in the picks at the end, but congrats on that. And I I blame the Rams choking in this game. <laughs> Fair and and I would I would say that choke is a good term for this. If you surrender a seventeen point lead and fourteen points in the half, whatever. If you surrender a seventeen point lead, I can't call that anything else but a choke job. Yeah. Um, this team is too good. It's too talented. They just kind of abandoned the run and let Matt Stafford make bad decisions in the second half. Not conducive to success. Yeah. I'm just gonna give that away. Not conducive to success. Not a good idea. Not afraid of the Rams. Not afraid of the 49ers. Um, they've got talent. They could surprise anybody, but it's the quarterback position that really gives me pause on both these teams. Before we get to who the Niners are playing, this uh, Niners win eliminated the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints almost were there, though, because they took care of business. They beat the Atlanta Falcons 30-20. to There's not much to talk about in this game other than Taysom Hill gets knocked out after he throws a touchdown pass in this game and already has had uh, work... Uh, surgeries Liz frank and something yeah. else on these injuries so it doesn't sound great for him where the saints are got some questions they have to answer in the offseason now uh trevor simeon stepped in he threw two touchdowns he got them the the win to the end here with kamara having a good game but uh yeah the the saints took care of business but couldn't get the rams to do held up their end of the bargain again this is something i'm pointing at with the nfl where they go hey we get to watch Debo Samuel in a very exciting 49ers team and not Trevor Simeon in a very banged-up New Orleans Saints team. Because Taysom Hill is fun and everything. Taysom Hill would have been fun. Um, but, yeah, Taysom Hill has, has got a problem. Taysom Hill is also 32 years old. No kidding. you got to remember that. I forgot. Yeah. So Taysom Hill is 32 years old. He's got a four-year deal. Taysom Hill counts $12 million against the cap next year. How does Taysom Hill at 32 move faster than I have moved ever? <laughs> he's, I want to say this, he's slightly more athletic than you. I don't mean to insult you, Yeah, that must be it. Just that must be it. slightly more athletic. Um, and then let's talk about your Cowboys. They beat up on the Eagles on Saturday, 51-26. to 26. So you got to enjoy that and then sit back for the long Sunday of games. Uh, first of all, your, your opportunity to discuss this game before we talk about what's to come. Um, yeah, this was a solid throat fucking, um, <laughs> which as you know, it's one of my favorite things to do to the Eagles. Uh, Gardner Minshew looked fun. Uh, Dak Prescott was beating him up. I mean, we have done this a couple times this year. We're like, oh, are you guys not trying very hard? Great. Well, we need to get our, we need to Stella this bitch and get our groove back. <laughs> so we're just going to, we're just going to romp your ass. Yeah. Is that okay? You know, Zeke passed a thousand yards. Dak Prescott said, 
a personal best with five passing touchdowns. He set the record for most passing touchdowns by a Cowboys quarterback. All of these things, as we talked about it, 17th game, I don't count it. Yeah. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You didn't do it in 16 games, so it doesn't matter. Um, the defense could be made that, yeah, but Dak was injured one game. Well, guess what? Tony was injured a lot. didn't matter. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not afraid of this Eagles team. Um, I'm not afraid of them with Jalen Hurts. I'm not afraid of them when everybody's healthy um, because the Cowboys didn't give a shit in the second half, and we still put up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, we put up 21 points not giving a shit. Um, so backups to backups, we still beat them good. Yeah, no, there was a lot of – Laying it on. In fact, I think I texted you at one point that when they finally took Prescott out of this game after he threw his fifth touchdown pass, Cooper Rush came in and he was still throwing the ball. And I was like, I just have a feeling you guys are putting backups in so you can still go at points against these Eagles. Because <laughs> you again put up a 50 oh, we burger. absolutely did. Yeah, we absolutely did. I mean, we scored two touchdowns with backups and they were throwing interceptions and. Yeah, not good. I, I loved This was a fucking great game for me. I got to enjoy it. I knew that they were in charge of it the whole way. There was never a point when it looked like Philly was going to challenge this. Nobody got really hurt. Um, yeah, this was everything I wanted. The Cowboys kind of got back into rhythm offensively. I'm glad they didn't sit everybody because we didn't deserve to sit. You know, we should have come out. We should have, you know, send a message, and I think we did. So I don't think we – I also don't think we gave up any, like, really good plays. Uh no, we just executed really, really well, something we hadn't done in a couple weeks. Yeah, so you set up in a nice spot. Uh, like we said, it's 49ers at Cowboys. This is Sunday afternoon, Sunday at 3.30. Um, my, my brother said this too. He's like, it's a little exciting to think that I'm going to watch a Niners-Cowboys playoff game again. It brings us back to the 90s. There is a nostalgia to this matchup. Um, yeah, what do you think, Dan? 49ers at Cowboys. I... I... I mean, you know who I'm picking. I know who you're picking. I know what you expect. But, you know, let's put your football mind to this. Uh, I would put two points of caution for Dallas and two points of caution for San Francisco. Um, Dallas cannot abandon the run, which they have been prone to do uh, this season. When they run into some you know difficulties, they start to abandon the run. They start to throw exclusively, and that lets defenses pin their ears back. So as long as Kellen Moore can stay balanced – even if we're not moving the ball early in the game, as long as we stay balanced, that's a good idea. Just don't don't fold and go to the pass. Uh, that's a point of caution. Number two, uh, defensively, the Dallas Cowboys have really, really got to got to tighten up against the run. I'm not afraid of Jimmy G. I think you can get to him with moderate pressure. But if Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel start taking off big chunks, it's gonna be a real long game. And then for the 49ers, the 49ers have got to protect Jimmy G. If they don't protect Jimmy G, it doesn't matter how good the run game's going. They're going to get turnovers. Um, and then also defensively, uh, their secondary needs to improve. I think Dallas is going to be able to run them all over the place with their wide receivers. Yeah, you're right. It's got to come down to if you don't want this to be a 34-38 uh, to 38 game, you take away Debo Samuel. You take away Debo Samuel and – the Cowboys, they can try to take away the run or they can try to take away the path. They can't do both. They can't focus on both. So you can beat them one way or the other. But if the Niners can play their style offense, then they can keep up with the end points, I'm afraid. Um, so that's something there. But I think the Cowboys, you know, like I said, all around have more options and more things to go to if some if the Niners are taking things away from you or start controlling the ball or whatever. So I think the Cowboys should take this. Um I think the Niners have their own issues and 
that was a lot that they had to get out to to win to get in last week, and that was a big win to get over. So to come back now and go on the road again in a much more hostile environment than L.A. was, where were you, Rams fans? <laughs> Niners fans are so much louder in that stadium. It won't happen here. It won't. I mean, Niners fans, I'm sure you travel well, but it won't happen in Dallas or Arlington, wherever. So I like your Cowboys as well. Um, Cowboys for this playoffs, though, I will just say this, as, as you like to say, Dan. I will just say this. I'm worried that the Cowboys, though they have all of the talent to take this the whole way, don't have the uh, ability to keep the consistency. There it is. To do it for three games to get there. That's what I'm worried about. That's the yeah. one question I have is consistency with these Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's I that is the big watchword. A I'll put it to you this way. A consistent Dallas Cowboys team with the talent we have is the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah. Well it would have been, right, right. Um, but we couldn't do it, so we're not. Let's let's also talk about the game Sunday at noon. This is right before the Cowboys play. This is Eagles at Buccaneers. Uh, the Eagles, like we said, they clinched a week before, so they they didn't need uh, um, Hurts. So maybe he was would have been healthy enough to play. I don't know what this injury, how bad this is for him to be. I mean, I know he'll be playing this game, but if it'll be a hindrance at all. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, plenty of injuries, plenty of issues they need to get through. I think they lost another backup wide receiver to something. Um, Mike Evans was banged up at some point in there, but he even came back and played, so he's okay. But, yeah, they're limited on on offensive weapons all of a sudden. You know, you had everybody come back from their Super Bowl run last year, but not everybody will be available for a Super Bowl run this year. Eagles or Buccaneers, Dan, what do you think? Well, I think if the Eagles had a few more wide receiver weapons, I'd be worried. Um, but this is a very, very stout defensive line for Tampa Bay. Shaq Barrett's coming back. He's going to get excellent pressure. I I can't see the Eagles winning this. I just don't think they're talented enough. Mm. Um, that's not to say they're not moving in the right direction. They very much are. It pains me to say that, but they're moving in the right direction. But I don't think they're going to give Tampa Bay too much trouble. Tampa Bay at home should be able to take this thing pretty well. I mean, there's a fan base there after winning Super Bowls. There's got to be. Uh so I would assume that that place will be rocking for a Sunday noon game and an Eagles team going on the road there will have yeah a lot to, to, to overcome. Uh, there'll yeah, be some... I mis- think all the, yeah. all the off-duty strippers are going to fire the cannon. <laughs> there you go. There's the fire of the cannon, and I'm with you. Cannon shall fire Sunday at noon. We're picking all home teams, but if you look at it, it makes sense. Uh, and then finally, Dan, Seahawks beat the Cardinals. The Rams are still going to win the uh, NFC West, uh, even with the loss, because the Cardinals couldn't take care of business at home against Seattle. 38-30. to uh, This game was back and forth, honestly. Uh, it was 17-10 to Seahawks at the half. Cardinals tied it quickly, then took the lead due to an interception. 17-24 to Cardinals in the third quarter. Uh, the last play of the third quarter is a blocked punt, which makes it all tied up at 24 then two Seahawks touchdowns in the fourth. The Cardinals try to catch back up, but yeah, Seahawks took care of business, basically running away within the fourth. Yeah, this was, I mean, the the Cardinals cannot say, oh, well, we didn't try. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody <laughs> they, was they in it, right? It. They were in it. There was effort given. Um, I feel like, 
I feel like I want. I really did want the Cardinals again as a Cowboys fan. I really did want to play them again because I, I saw some limitations. I don't think these Cardinals are as unbeatable as they were for the early part of the season. Um, they're also devastated with injuries defensively. There is no true number one option. Like when your number one option is probably Zach Ertz, a guy you got in the middle of the season, mm-hmm. you've got problems in your wide receiver core, um, and that's a big that's a big issue that they're running into. James Conner is a decent running back, but offensively the Cardinals have really been on a downslide. Defensively they're holding steady, but you know I think Seattle came in here and kind of embarrassed them. They're very hot open to the season is kind of why they're in the playoffs here because they're a wild card team and they're playing on the road. Uh, you were the last undefeated team to what seven and O I think they were before they lost seven or eight and O. They were almost halfway yeah. through this year. I know we had an extra game, but that does kind of put you to uh, where they are playing now. And so, yeah, the the Cardinals, this loss, too, doesn't put a good taste in your mouth heading into the playoffs. I know they, they beat the Cowboys in Dallas, and that was a big one, but that could be pointed towards that consistency problem that Dallas is having. So is it the Cardinals or is it the Cowboys or is it the Rams? The only question we have to answer for this weekend is, is it the Cardinals or the Rams? Which is the better team in the NFC West? We get another matchup for the third time this year. Cardinals at Rams is our Monday night football playoff game. So it's going to be very tough. The one choice, the other choice as to who will go win this that I have is, do I watch this with seriousness or do I watch this with the Manning brothers on Monday nights? Oh, you watch it with the Manning brothers every time. You never turn down a Manning cast. I guess it's just it never feels like I'm I'm it feels like I'm half paying attention to the game because they're half paying attention and half pushing their guest stuff. <laughs> well, I hope they I hope they relax the guest stuff a little bit. I I want real playoff you know playoff Manning know-how. stuff. That's what yeah, I want. but <sighs> this is. To me, this is the case of the Rams having an inconsistent quarterback and the Cardinals having a hurt quarterback. Like, you can tell Kyler Murray's still not 100%. Um, yeah. I just I think the Rams are designed to beat up Kyler Murray, too. I, I got to take the Rams. Um, I think Von Miller is going to give him trouble. I think Aaron Donald is really troublesome. So I got to take the Rams in this one. It feels like the moves that, yeah, the Rams made here later in the season – might be for the benefit of these Cardinals. Get uh, somebody that can get them some more points like uh, Beckham, and then somebody can chase down Murray like uh, Von Miller can. So, yeah, try to get them the, the, the attacks there. The Rams have a lot of flaws themselves, and it's that's where I think it's scary here that they might be a, another step up from where they were last year as the wildcard team, but I don't know if they've made it farther enough that they are going to be knocking off the Buccaneers or the Packers in this this playoffs. I'm not I'm not sure about that. So yeah, um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Rams too. All of these games, if there was one where I think a road team could win, I think it might be this one because these are yeah, a divisional right. matchup. These are close teams; they know each other well. So this is I think the closest one, and I think also that's why we're seeing a Monday night. But I think Rams are the better team, and they're playing better right now, for sure. Also, three NFC West teams in the playoffs. That's, you know, steel sharp and steel. So these guys might be better than we think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so those are all the games. We didn't say, you know, we did already talk about a couple weeks ago, the Green Bay Packers are the number one seed. 
they aren't destroying anybody, but they're the number one seed. So we'll see who they get uh, after this works. Um, the uh, the Bucks are holding the second seed, so it won't be the Bucks. Yep. But it can be any. Cowboys are the three seed. Yeah. So, so if the – oh, yeah. So it wouldn't techn- – because the number one seed won't play two or three next week, right? Uh, no. They Four through six. Based, they're going to play the, the lowest seed, yeah. So you guys won't yep. get the yeah, Packers until championship weekend if you get that far. Okay. I think we will. Let's wrap up, Dan. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, so like I said, Dan beat me in picks. God damn it, Rams. Dan beat me in picks. But because those Raiders decided they weren't going to end in a tie, I only lost by one game. Dan ended with 172 games correct. I had 171 correct. The percentage comes down to, Dan, you were at 63.24% of the time correct. Hmm. I'm 62.87, you know, very close. We're very close. Uh, I didn't really bring up my mom this year because we did beat her this year. She was at 166 games, so took care of that. Congrats, Dan. Um, but let me also put this into a a picture. Uh, every week I would ask my dog to pick the games. I got my little okay. mini helmets. I'd put little treats down. I'd tell them who's playing at on the road and who's playing at home. I'd put the the helmet over the treat and I'd go with whatever he went at first. He always seemed to go with home teams. Like he just went to that side of it. Like, I don't know, but maybe that was his choice, but he finished the whole season with 146 games. Correct. Which is a 53.68%. So you want to talk about a difference of a, of a dog picking a randomly, uh, you got 146 games. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean that's not terrible. So you that's you not, got you did a, about twenty five, twenty six more than the dog. Good job. That's my that's my war rating. <laughs> Slightly better than a dog. But if I mean take that number, look around at other people. A lot of people are putting up their stats here for what their picks were. I the only one I remember is the guy who does the draw play drawplay dot com, which is a very yeah. funny sketch. Uh, one that's all about NFL comics. I think we have pushed it on here before. He picked 172, correct? That was his picks too, right where you were. So, yeah, we were. I think we're up there with other other football minds this year. Yeah, we got. I mean, we're plus we're plus sixty percent. If you're plus sixty percent, you're positive. Yeah. Man. Um, I would love COVID to be in the positive. seventy. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to be in the Jimmy the Greek, you know, seventy eighty range. But you know, by that point, you need connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy, I don't know if he was picking every game. We pick oh, every. Oh, Jimmy game. the Greek was good. He was good. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's go on to some crazy stats. Yeah, Here we go. let's do I it. I just have a few of them. This was, a, this was a nice long show. All right, crazy stats. Uh, the Oh, we know our, the fastest players and their fastest plays by miles per hour here for the season. Coming in at third place was Patrick Sertan Jr. Second Ooh. place, uh, Valdez Scantling for the Packers. First place, Jonathan Taylor, who showed up on the top 10 list like three times. The top speed, 22.13 miles per hour. Time to remind people that we had Jonathan Taylor ranked as a high first-round draft pick mm-hmm. as a running back, and no one believed us. No, Jonathan Taylor was, yeah, we're, I think he was our favorite, yeah. He was, yeah. He was He was our number one with a bullet at the running back position. Yeah, coming in that year. Uh, he Again, let's let's keep with Jonathan Taylor. He's the rushing champion, Jonathan Taylor. This is the first time, though, since 2011 that the team with the rushing champion is not in the playoffs. 
Ooh. Do you want to guess what? Who? Wow. Do you want to guess the team or the the player in 2011 that did it? Vikings. <laughs> no, that would be bad. Uh, I'll give you a clue. He is a uh, on camera personality now for the NFL Network. Oh, is it is it Marshall Falk? Maurice Jones Drew. Oh, MJD for the baby. Jaguars. MJD. Yeah, nice. had to be right. I don't think he okay. played for anyone other than the Jags. I'm sure. Oh uh, no, he played for the Raiders. Yeah. Um, and then, week. speaking of the Jaguars, the Jaguars finished three and fourteen this year, with all three of their wins against the winning against winning teams. Huh. And that's your Jaguar that's, news. That's that's really impressive. Okay, well that's the show. That's what I had for this. We got our playoff uh, bracket all re- set up, ready to go. The number one seeds are the only ones with bye weeks that get in their chance here. We have. Two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and a Monday nighter this week. How about it? Six games for the Super Wild Card Weekend. Oh, I didn't bring up two. Is it 49ers-Cowboys is the Nickelodeon game? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so somebody going to get slimed. Somebody getting slimed. Who's going to be the the MVP this year? We have to watch 49ers-Cowboys to find out. It'll be Dak. They always make it like the quarterback or some dumb shit. Well, because it was Trubisky in the losing game, so it is a vote online it's like a twitter vote so all it takes is you know one of those groups to to really push one guy yeah we'll find find, i'll find who has the funniest name on all the rosters he'll be the mvp yeah it'll be that guy um okay i do do want to bring bring one thing up because we just talked about jonathan taylor we loved him in that draft you know who the first running back off the board was remind me who he went to clyde edwards elaire all right going to the chiefs can you imagine (laughs) <laughs> Jonathan Taylor went to the fucking Chiefs. They would have used him entirely differently, but yes, that uh, would. Uh, yeah, I know, but holy shit, it's a different. Yeah, that's a different beast. Yeah, he was the third. Uh, it was Edward Zelaire, DeAndre Swift, and then Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Swift, Georgia. I I disagree with those picks. I had him number one, and then Sony Michelle wasn't far after that too, right? Because that was Swift and uh, Michelle, Georgia. Uh, wasn't that the no, one I think two? Michelle. No, uh, no, Michelle was, yeah, you're thinking Chubb and Michelle. Yes, okay, yeah. Uh, okay, well, we, I've, I think we, yeah, we've covered it all here for the Wild Card Weekend, Dan. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? <sighs> the playoffs are where it all fucking happens. That's the best part. Like, I, as much as we love the Super Bowl, as much as we love the Super Bowl, Super Bowl generally doesn't have the best games. The Beast Quake wasn't in the Super Bowl. The Dez Caught It wasn't in the Super Bowl. These are the games. Wild card games are a fucking blast, man. This is one of the better weekends of the year just because everybody's taking their fucking big puncher's chances. Nobody's playing tight. Uh, God, it's going to be a fucking blast. I can't wait for this week. Yeah, me neither. So well, let's go enjoy it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening for this week, the podcast. Enjoy playoff football i am scott and this is dan we'll see you after it next week goodbye